the Transparent Truth proudly presents the Friday Morning Matchup Show with Coach and Greg Biggins. <laughs> welcome, welcome. You're now listening to the Friday Matchup Show. It's your boy, Coach Keith. Intercom Studios. State Championship Week. State Championship Matchups. Everybody all year has been working towards this week in high school football. We've got handfuls of teams going to be matching up this week in Sacramento. Before we start breaking those down, we got to pay our bills. Hey, we want to remind everybody, tune in every Wednesday for our Sleeper of the Week segment. Really want to thank our guy, Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. And we have business and a man that is really interested in the community. We need to show our support right back at him. Sit and Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Sit and Sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised price or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. And we're back. GB, we got the matchups, state championship matchups. Who we starting off with? How about we just jump right in and talk a little Grace Brethren versus St. Francis. Grace Brethren, 12-2 and on the year, just rolling. Yeah. Really good football team. Knocked off an undefeated Aquinas team. Taking on St. Francis out of Mountain View, obviously Northern California. They're our top guys. A 19, 2019 junior running back, Daryl Page, came up big last week. Ran for 228 and two touchdowns on the year. Coach Keith, he's gone for over 2,000 yards and 23 touchdowns. St. Francis likes to run the ball. Grace Brethren does as well. I mean, it's going to be one of those games that as a journalist or a newspaper guy you love because the clock's always ticking. You can get, get out of there pretty quickly. But no, it looks like a real evenly matched game for me. St. Francis, Grace Brethren. Yeah, St. Francis. Quick little backstory. So Roger Craig, the former running back from the San Francisco 49ers, his daughter used to be a track runner at Great, at, excuse me, St. Francis in Mountain View, Ramitra Craig. Me and my wife, we went to dinner the other night. We were talking about St. Francis and her running against Ramitra Craig in the CIF finals. So just a little backstory. St. Francis, they do a great job attracting talent, developing talent. It's a great program. They've got a great football team. They're a physical team up front. They're going to try to run the ball. Grace Brethren, they have got to be stout in the trenches. they got to be able to run sideline to sideline, track down that running back, and kind of keep him contained. He's ran for over 2,000 yards, so you know he's got money in the bank. But I like Grace Brethren. They've got balance on offense. They run it with Diggs. They run it with Seven, who will get you sick every every four, four, four or five times he touches the ball. I like Grace Brethren to come home with a state championship trophy, get it done for Southern California. And just for those who have no clue what you just said, Grace Brethren actually has a guy named Seven. McSeven McGee, right? Seven gets you six. People are like, what, do you, what does he mean, Seven gets you six? No, that's actually a real name. Yeah. And that's a it's a beautiful name. I love it. Hey, follow the show. <laughs> what do you how does seven get you six? Yeah. A real football player named Seven McGee. How about Cajon High School taking on a Sarah team out of San Mateo? Both these two teams scored 70 points this past weekend, right? Ooh. 
Sarah put up that many against our guy, Cashmere Allen. They won. I want to say it was 76 to 43. They got a stud, Patrick Nunn, going to Washington State. Again, they can score with anybody. Cajon, weapons everywhere. They can score with anybody. Over under 100 points, Jay Perk. I said it. Over under 100 points. Both these two teams. This is going to be a video game. Wow, this sounds like a, a bit of a dream matchup, North versus South here. But you know what? That Cajon defense, they've been opportunistic as of late. They're sacking the quarterback consistently, putting pressure. They're in the backfield making TFLs, picking off the balls, forcing fumbles. That Cajon defense has risen to the challenge of Coach Keith and GB in studio. <laughs> and I, you know what? I think they're going to go out there. They're going to get it done again for Southern California. I know Sarah, is, they've got an explosive player in none. Um, they've got explosive offense. They get the ball out quick. Um, they're in the end zone in a hurry. But I think the talented Cajon defense is going to play discipline. They're going to play fast, physical, and smart. And then there's just no stopping this Cajon offense. Jaden Daniels will finish the season with 5,000 yards through the air and 1,000 yards on the ground with over 70 total touchdowns, which is insane. It's just insane numbers. Nobody stops Darren Jones on the outside. Uh, it, I get Cajon to get it done. They've got a big-time team. State championship is theirs for the taking. Special teams and turnovers, Cajon football. Special teams and turnovers, take care of the football and be sound in the kicking game, and you will be state champions. Yeah, Isaiah Kendrick. That's another. That's the guy that they have to slow down. He is Sarah's big play running back, over 1,300 yards, and he is an issue. He's a major problem. But again, Cajon... I like their chances as well. That would be a dream season, wouldn't it? No question about it. How about 1A? We got Narbon, just three losses on the year, taking on a Pittsburgh team. Isamu, my boy over there on the coaching staff. Pittsburgh's interesting. Um, they won last week, beat Granite Bay 37 to 14. Prior to that game, They'd only been averaging 12 points a game the three previous games. So they do it with defense. They do it with defense. Jacob Bandis, one of my favorite athletes. D-tackles sure. in the junior class. I think I might have said junior twice. Jacob Bandis, just a junior. But, man, when I saw him at the Nike camp, guy looked and played like a little miniature Eddie Vander does with his explosiveness off the edge. They got a really, really good, de- a really good defense. A.J. Boyd, kind of their versatile offensive threat. Uh, an early offer guy for him. Tell you what, though, man, Narbonne right now is a machine. They are probably a top four team from all of Southern California. Yeah, they are playing mean, aggressive, angry defense. They have a guy who's done it, Jalen Chapman at quarterback. Jamar Jefferson is hungry. I like Narbonne in this game. I like Pittsburgh to play well, but I think Narbonne right now could play with just about anybody. It, it, it worries me. It worries me. Pittsburgh's offense only averaging kind of twelve points a game. During the playoffs before their last uh, their last game against Grand Bay, that worries me for Pittsburgh. Narbonne, their defense takes a you know a backseat to virtually no one. They've got players on each level um, who are big time. They're physical. They're hard hitting. They're fast. They've got size. I think Pittsburgh's in trouble. Jalen Chapman, he's going to toss the pill around the yard. You know that. He's got a plethora of receivers led by Jawan Tucker on the outside. And we know the type of versatility Munchie uh, Jamar Jefferson brings in the backfield in the screen game, in the shovel pass game, also toting the pill from seven yards deep. It's going to be a problem for Pittsburgh. I think they get smacked, Greg. I don't huh. think this game is close. I think they get smacked by a dub at least. 
and uh, Narbon coming home again. SoCal three and zero thus far in the eyes of Coach Keys. Nar- Narbon Gauchos coming home with the state championship trophy twice in three years. Shout out to the Gauchos. If there's a game that you have to say NarCal would probably be a favorite in it, it'd probably be the Folsom Helix game. Helix knocked off Oaks Christian last weekend. Really good defensive defensive effort by Helix. But to take on a Folsom team that's undefeated, 14-15-0, whatever their record is, it's, it's a lot. They haven't lost. They are an explosive offensive team. They always have a quarterback every year. If you're familiar with Jake Browning at Washington, he's from Folsom. Every year they have a guy who throws for a million yards this year. It's Caden Bennett. Over 4,000 yards throwing it. Also over 1,000 yards rushing it, which is kind of unique, right? You don't really see too many dual threat guys that are that efficient running it and throwing it. Joe Nagata, one of the top elite national receivers. He's only a junior, 25 touchdowns, a million yards receiving it. Helix, they don't do a whole lot offensively. No. You know, they're more of a defensive team, but I think their offense, they got, you know, the big running back, Noah. He's a load. They want to probably control it. Baker's a quality quarterback. Rashad Scott is really good out wide. Uh, they use its at receiver a little bit too. But offensively, they're not going to do a whole lot to no. threaten you. No. Folsom scores just in bunches no against doubt. anybody. So uh, it's going to be tough. He going to have to have another incredible effort on defense like they did against, like they did against Oaks Christian this past weekend. But it's going to be really tough to slow down Folsom unless they find a way to move the ball. And, and Noah is going to have to come up huge in this one. Yeah, they're going to have to control the clock on the ground with Noah. And then they're going to have to really get some pressure on the quarterback. I didn't see much of a pass rush from Helix last game against Oaks Christian. They're going to put the pressure on those cornerbacks. Love Rashad Scott. Isaac Taylor Stewart is a five-star recruit. They're going to have their hands full with Nagata and Caden Bennett tossing pill. Caden Bennett is my guy. I've been watching this kid all year. He can run. He can throw. Um, He's only a junior. He's going to be one of the top players in the state next year. Again, 4,000 yards passing, 1,000 yards rushing. This is a, a Jaden Daniels clone up there, up in the north. Um, tough game for Helix to win, Greg. I just do not think they're offensively equipped to stay with uh, a Folsom team, especially with this kid, Caden Bennett, yeah. the quarterback. He's going to put up numbers. They're going to put up points. Helix will not be able to match that. I got Folsom in a in a, in a blowout, Greg. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, it's all about like boxing, it's matchups, and probably just a tough matchup for Helix. But yeah. again, man, they always say defense wins championships. But man, if Helix can pull this off, it, it would be something. But it's it's gonna be tough. No, I don't see it happening. Sorry. And then we have one last game. It's the open division. Neither neither of these two teams had to play a playing game this past week. It's Modern Day and De La Salle. You know, ironically, this is gonna be the fifth fifth time these two teams have played. De La Salle's won all of them. This is going to be the first time they've ever met in a state game. That's because Marde won their first CF championship since 1999. That's so hard to believe with That's all the success yeah. Marde has. But they hadn't won a title this century. 1999 was their last CF championship. So they won one, wow. they won one two weeks ago. They're kind of good. Don't have a lot of holes. We can talk about them all year long, but we don't need to. We have already. Because we everyone knows who they got. They got a quarterback. They got a re, re, bunch of receivers. They got yeah. a great offensive line. They got a defensive front that's very aggressive. Uh, Solomon Tui Apupu is still out. So he's not playing? He's not game? playing. No, he's, he's out. He's going to probably require surgery for his foot. He, he didn't play in the game against Bosco, but they still played great. Guys like Mace Funa and Jack Genova and... All those other players, Drew Falu stepping up, Talihu Tala Tuihalamaka, yeah, stepping up. 
the back seven. Those youngsters are stepping up as well. Darian Green Warren, Alafazio, sure. Elias Ricks, Stefan Robbins, all good. Uh, for those who haven't seen De La Salle, uh, you saw them play Bishop Gorman yeah. live. Sure. Um, what did you see then versus what kind of team are they now? You know, we talked to our guy, Nate Kenyon. I think they're a different team now, right? They, this is one team that always gets better sure. as the season goes on. But when you saw them up close, what did you see out of De La Salle? When I saw them up close against Gorman, well, first let me set the stage. Gorman had just came off of two losses uh, one being previously at home versus a Florida team, Miami Central, I believe. So, you know, Gorman was reeling, right? And they were desperate for a win. So they were, you know, they had all hands on deck, all guns blazing. Early in the game, the game was pretty much even. It was about, about 7-7. Both teams were playing good football. And then... Dorian Thompson Robinson just kind of took over, started making some scramble plays, extending plays, throwing the ball deep down the field. Brevin Jordan made a big time catch. So it kind of got a little bit out of hand with their their stars kind of being stars for Gorman. And De La Salle just didn't have anybody to match it athletically. Um, and they also had a strip sack uh, that was taken back for a touchdown. The issue was that in the athleticism department, De La Salle could not keep up with Gorman, and that's kind of what separated the two teams. Fast forward now, they're a better De La Salle team. They're playing against a modern-day team who is ridiculously athletic in the most important positions and very physical on both sides of the ball up front. And I know De La Salle, they've got Henry Tooto, right, the two-way linebacker. He's also excelling as a running back. He's a big-time player, no doubt. Really like Kyrie Robinson. He's a he's a he's a safety, a running back. He's he's short, about five eight five nine. He's quick, explosive football player. Makes a lot of plays. I just don't see enough in the tank. I mean, Isaiah Foskey is a tight end, DN, who's six four two twenty, uh, but I just don't see enough in this De La Salle team to compete with modern day for four quarters. It might be close for a quarter, a quarter and a half, Greg. There is just not enough talent. And, and you know, we talk about De La Salle and talent. Does it really matter? Yeah, it matters. Yeah. It matters. I know it's De La Salle and I know the history, but I'm sorry. You got to guard Brew McCoy. Somebody's got to guard the guy. Somebody's got to guard the Ron St. Brown. Somebody's got to stop JT Daniels from running 70 yards. I just don't, there's not enough. And, and, and I got modern-day big in this one. Yeah, I mean, I, I know Nate uh, loves Kyrie Robinson. I mean, he loved him last year. Yeah. You know, he was the one guy, he said against Bosco, who stepped up. Yeah. He said he had turnovers last year, but he was the one guy who physically could match up. But no, Nate Nate said what you, what you just said. And I'll say this, too. With Dedesal, it's always the, the sum is greater than the parts. Sure. But they still have parts. They've yeah. always had great parts. You look at some of the guys they've had. Derek Landry, Maurice Jones-Drew, Demetrius Williams, DJ Williams, Kevin yeah. Simon. I mean, they always have dudes. Matt Gutierrez. They got guys this year, right? They still have guys this year. But against modern day, again, calling this maybe one of the best, if not the best teams ever from Southern California, that's a lot of pressure. I don't think they care about that right now. No. But I would love, you know, again, we had, we had Nate on. I want to have him on next week after the game 
Can and say, okay, now that you played them, yeah. you played 13 Bosco, coached yeah. against thir- 2013 Bosco, you played against 2001 Long Beach Poly, and now you've coached against 2017 Modern Day. You don't match it up. Let's go. Let's go see. Because I know Nate likes this team. Yeah, Kenyon. Yeah. Last year's team said, you know what? That wasn't us. That was not a good De La Salle team. They went to state, so kind of shows you, you know, even in a down year, they're getting to state. Right. But he goes, we just couldn't compete. But he likes this year's guys. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. They need to get some guys step up. Toto and Tuli, the big D tackle, and. Kyrie Robinson and all that, but it's going to be tough. I mean, they'll compete their rear ends off like you would not believe. No one competes as hard as those guys do. No they'll question. be coached up like you would not believe. They'll yeah. be prepared like no one else will be. But it's just going to be such a tough individual matchups. So many tough individual matchups that kind of just favor modern day right now. Speaking of Nate King, and we got a terrific interview. Speaking of Nate. We got a terrific interview talking about the De La Salle teams of the past, the the poly team from 2001, uh, Bosco 2013. Who was the best team De La Salle has ever faced? He talked about Centennial to 2008. We got a terrific interview on the back end coming up right now. Assistant head coach, defensive back coach at De La Salle. A good friend of mine is Nate Kenyon, a former De La Salle Spartan running back, UNLV running rebel. Good friend Nate Kenyon. Nate, what's up, man? How you feel? What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing all right, baby. It's good to have you on the Transparent Truth. I got my guy Greg Biggins here. He's going to shoot you some questions. And as always on this show, please give us the Transparent Truth. GB? Nate, I've known you since you played back in the day. (laughs) Covered you, covered Maurice, Tosh, that whole squad back in the day. So we thought you'd be great to come on. You guys play a a, a pretty huge game. this. You guys play Friday or Saturday? On Saturday night. Saturday night against a modern day team that, again, out here in Southern California, I don't know if you guys hear the noise out there, but out here people are saying maybe one of, if not the best team from Southern California in the last 20 years or so. And the teams are kind of thrown out there would be the 13, 2013 Bosco team, the 2001 Long Beach Poly team. I think there's a, a Sarah team that they're throwing in there as well. But, man, I just realized that you kind of have ties to all three of those teams. 2001 Long Beach Poly team played against your De La Salle team. They called that the game of the century. So let's go back to that game, Nate. Mm -hmm. Game of the century, 2001 Poly, De La Salle. You guys are one and two in the country. I think I was the only person in Southern California who picked De La Salle. Um, Everybody out here had Long Beach Poly as invincible. They were huge up front. They had the big five. Remember the big five, Herschel Dennis, Winston Justice, Manuel Wright, Darnell Bing, Mercedes Lewis. That was the five guys all rated in the top 50 in the nation. And you guys came in, and if I remember correctly, it was a two-touchdown game, and you guys kind of controlled it the whole way through. I never once felt like you guys were in danger of losing that game, but if you can, what was the mindset kind of going into that game and then just playing against those guys? Just how big, how physical, how tough was that poly team? Well, I mean, our defensive uh, coordinator, who was the athletic director at the time, Terry Etten, he came to, um, you know, us, the seniors and returners, um, in the off season when we were working out um, one morning, and he was like, hey, um, I got Long Beach Poly. Um, do you guys want to play? We were like, heck yeah, you know, sign us up. You know, so we all wanted it. You know, I mean, we, we especially during that time frame, I mean, we were cocky. We thought we were the best, and we wanted to play against whoever was supposed to be the best. Um, in all honesty, when we said, yeah, sign us up, we didn't really know that Long Beach probably was what you just described. <laughs> so, you know, through throughout the whole spring and summer, you know, we were kind of getting the 
the rundown of, you know, like you just said, the Herschel Dennis and everyone else that they had on their team. And we were like, okay, you know, this is really going to be a game. But, you know, I think for us, you know, being from, you know, it always comes down, what it always comes down to is NorCal versus SoCal, you know, in, in the long run. And we were just, we just wanted to show everybody that, you know, we could play and, and be successful against, you know, whoever everyone's considering the best and also prove because I think, you know, from a coach's player perspective of, of being at Del Sal, um, I think that the talent, you know, at the school, you know, a lot of times kind of gets overlooked and overshadowed, um, you know, because people give the coaches, you know, all the credit. But, you know, we all we wanted to show that we had some guys too. And, um, you know, so that was kind of the mindset going into it. Um, but when we showed up to the game, as you guys know, at Veterans Stadium, there's a tunnel underneath where both teams are underneath there. So uh, Long Beach Poly was already there. They were already, you know, had their uh, lower – pads on and we're standing there with their tight tight fits on and stuff like that so we walked through and uh you know <laughs> winston justice um emmanuel wright um the other sophomore they had at the time brown i forgot his yeah name. kevin brown yeah and, and all those other guys you know a lot of their big guys were standing out there you know just kind of staring us down as we walked through and, you know i mean we're looking at them and we realized how big they really are you know we knew how big they were on film but as like the last few of us are going to the locker room you know uh one of them shouts out these guys are tiny. We're going to kill them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and uh, so, you know, it, it was kind of a tone setter. You know, I mean, we're coming in and we're looking at them. And, and I wouldn't say that there was a sense of um, like of a intimidation or a sense of like, oh, okay, we're worried. But when we got there, it was like, okay, it's real. They are that big. They are that talented. All right, it's time to go to work. You know, and, and from there, it was simple. We sat down in the locker room. It was quiet. And Derek Landry was like, let's go. And everybody just, you know, started getting ready. And we went about business as normal. And, um, you know, that was kind of our mindset. Like I said, I mean, we were, we were never intimidated or bothered by the game. Uh, we were all really focused. And, you know, uh, you know, like I said, at the time, too, I mean, you had the streak going on. There's a lot of variables that played into it. I mean, you know, I, I'm a senior on that team. And, you know, in my head, I'm like, I'm not going out as, you know, uh, one of the guys who lost a streak in a sense. You know what I'm saying? So it was a lot kind of on the line there. So, you know, that game was big. I mean, it was – it was, uh, and I tell people this, it was honestly – you know, I played at the D1 level. It was probably top three toughest games I ever played in, period. You know what I'm saying? Just the physicality of the game, the size of everybody. I mean, it was a, it was a, basically a college game already. Now, I watched the game again on, on YouTube about a year ago, and I remember the first quarter, like, you took a sweep to the left. You got hit, like, five guys and were down on the ground for a little bit. I mean, <laughs> yeah. was that the most violent high school game you ever played against terms of the physicality and the hitting and all that was going on. I mean, how how sore were oh, you yeah. during the game? There was a story at halftime, and tell me if this is true or not. I, I don't know if I read it in a book, but someone said it at halftime when Coach Lau walked in the locker room, he said half your guys were just like laid out, looking like you guys were dead. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah, it was. I mean, a lot of the guys that were going both ways, uh, were, we were, I mean, we were exhausted. I mean, it was a hot night, you know, um, you know, guys are battling against, you know, guys, some some of us twice their size, you know. I mean, you know, I'm playing outside linebacker, you know, our, our kind of rubber position. Maurice is playing a, a strong safety. Um, Derek Landry's going both ways on the line, battling the big guys, you know, and a, a lot of other guys are doing the same. And, um, you know, yeah, there were some IVs that had to be handed out. And, you know, uh, <laughs> talking to Coach Ladd and them actually about it, you know, on the, from the coaching side now, they said they just – but thinking there's no way we could finish the game, and, you know, as strong as we did. And he said he still to this day has no – he has no idea how, you know, our team was able to muster up the energy and strength to come back out in the second half because he said it looked like a injured war vet um, hospital, you know, in the locker room. So, Heart. 
heart yes, coach, sir. Keith. You know, it's funny. I was standing next to Kevin Simon before the game. We we're just kind of talking. And I go, so I go, give me a guy, Kevin. Give me a guy who's going to step up. He goes, Maurice Drew. I'd never heard of Maurice Drew. I think up to that point, he had like, what, 10 carries in the whole season. Somebody, you guys kind of hit him on purpose, right? Just kind of unleash him for this game. And he yeah. was by far, no disrespect to yourself, Nate, because you're a baller. That's all good. But Maurice was by far the best guy in that game. Just ran over Darnell at least twice. Had he had four touchdowns, had the f- somersault into the end zone, the first you know first touchdown he had. and. Yeah. I mean, he, Keith and I talk about historical players. For a team to be great, you need to have historical, not just good, but historical players. And you guys had Maurice Jones, Drew now, just Maurice Drew back then, but probably one of the five best high school backs I've ever seen. I know he's your buddy, so it might be kind of hard to talk about him, but how good was Maurice back in the day? And, and what would you guys expect out of Maurice going into that game? Did you guys know he'd be, he'd be just going off the way he did? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, the, the thing about, um, you know, like Coach Ladd is, you know, he he really kind of he, he makes it known, you know, like what he expects out of you know all of us, and he had made it known to Maurice, and um, you know, and we all kind of caught hint during the practice week because Maurice was getting a lot of plays called towards his way, you know, that you know they saw something in him and something in the game plan that they felt like would be successful for the team. So you know, um, and, and Maurice, I mean, should he came in as a freshman, <laughs> you know, already this buff little guy, you know what I'm saying? Like, just really buff. He was fast already and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I think by, by his junior his sophomore year, he played up on varsity and got a little playing time in, in, in some of the big games. He actually started against um, one of the SoCal teams because Kevin Simon had a little uh, injury, but he still played. Um, but Reese had like 100 yards rushing that game. And so we all kind of knew, like, okay, this is going to be good. And then going into junior year, um, you know, he had a return against uh, Buchanan down the sideline, our first game of the year down in Buchanan. Um, you know, uh, he caught the ball, came down our sideline and ran over, completely ran over this dude like he wasn't there and, and accelerated him to the end zone. And, you know, so there was like, shy, you know, him shining, you know, slowly kind of leading up to that game. And then modern day game, he had a 70-yard run where he broke like five tackles, you know, so – uh, it was no surprise to anyone on our team that uh, he did the thing that he did, and it definitely wasn't a surprise to him. Um, you know, and Maurice, I mean, like you said, I mean, as far as guys that I played with, um, you know, he was in, in the long line of, of great runners at Dallas Al. I mean, you know, he, he was definitely a special player, you know, and uh, like you said, I played running back too, and I don't have a problem saying, you know, I mean, he was, he was a special dude, and, you know, as far as the other running backs we had, you know, myself and Elijah, we were both good in our own rights, but, I mean, he was different. You know, he was, he was just different. <laughs> no, we always said he may be short, but he wasn't small. I mean, he was exactly, just jacked. Exactly. There was nothing to tackle there. And he, again, Southern California area, they didn't know much about Dedes Al, but Darnell Bing was the guy. Everyone talked about the best safety to come out of Pauly ever. The be- and, God, Maurice just laid him out. <laughs> at, least, at least at least on those two touchdown runs. But another generational guy for me, probably the best – two-way lineman I've ever covered was Derek Landry. And the funny yeah. funny thing was he was exhausted. And Polly had no players going both ways. So on the offense, he's going against Junior Lamau, who was a junior, who was like their, you know, their stud. And uh, he's playing defense, going against Winston Justin. He was by far, again, the best lineman in that game. After the game's over, the very first thing he comes up to me and says, hey, can I, can I get a higher ranking now? <laughs> no joke. If you talk to Derek, ask him about that. That was the first thing. He's, can I be rated higher now? And wow. I'm like, dude, you're the best lineman I've ever seen. Like, I've never seen a guy go both ways against that kind of a team. 
and just dominate. If you can, you know, how good was Derek and, and how much fun was it playing Man. with a guy like that? Man, Derek, Derek was like the best worst thing as a DB, you know what I'm saying? Like he, if you messed up, they would never be able to tell because the ball would never get off. But if you're like in a position to have a pick, which my senior year, I, I should have had a way more picks than I did, but he always was sacking the quarterback. <laughs> you know, he's always in the backfield. I mean, even on run plays, you know, I show up on the outside. I'm like, all right, I'm going to make a tackle. And here comes Derek just swallowing up a guy. I mean, he's one of those guys, you know what I mean? And, and the thing about him is when we worked out in the summer, you know, the, how we do it at our school is the linemen go against linemen and skills go against skills. But Derek was that lineman that came and competed with the skill guys. And it wasn't like when you lined up with Derek, you're like, oh, he's a lineman. He's like, man, you better get off. He, was, he had the quickest 10-yard get off that I've seen for a dude, you know, 270 pounds, you know. Um and his work ethic was was really everything. I mean, that kind of you know continued his career. Honestly, I mean, he was considered undersized his, his whole career. But I mean, Derek was another guy who was you know just a, just a, a freak, really a freak athlete. You know, in a lot of ways, he played basketball senior year. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying? he hadn't played at all in high school and went out and made the basketball team his senior year and just bodied people. <laughs> you know? So I mean, Derek was and, and like I said, the mentality like his. What you said after the game, him coming up to you, that's Derek. I mean, it was no secret that he wanted to be the best. He never hit them. I mean, you know, and I think that's a, that, that's a difference in a lot of ways, I think, from nowadays to back in the days. We had a lot of guys speaking up like, I'm the best player on this team. No, I'm the best player on this team. You know, it's kind of a going argument, you know what I'm saying? Where, and dudes are backing it up, you know, and, and he was a dude. He was like, hey, look, I know, I, know, I know Maurice gets the ball. I know you get the ball. But I'm going to dominate, and I'm going to do my job better than y'all. <laughs> yeah, no, at the time, Manuel Wright was rated higher. He was the higher-rated guy, and no, it was, it, I'll never forget it. Because I remember, again, I didn't notice it during the game while I was watching it, but then I, you know, when I replayed it, like I mentioned a year ago, there was a scene at the end of the game where he had like guys putting towels over his body and his head and his neck, and like three different, he couldn't even hold up a water bottle at the end yeah. of the game. Matt Gutierrez, I, I remember again, just being so dang clutch, right? I just remember that fourth down and fourth down throw back, throw to Maurice Jones-Drew for a touchdown. I keep calling him Maurice Jones-Drew, but just Drew back then. But, man, Goody didn't always throw the, the prettiest ball, although he got it there. But I just remember he just had that clutch gene. Just the guy yeah. who I felt like if it was fourth down, he would make a play. And, and there was just nothing in him in that game that looked like he was overwhelmed or, or, or at all. Again, I know Buddy yours, so it might be kind of hard to say too much nice things about him, but what was it like to play with Matt? Man, Matt, Matt was the ultimate leader. I mean, he was uh, someone who I tried to model my leadership um, after, you know, kind of moving into college and, you know, even kind of moving into some of the days I did afterwards. I mean, you know, he was, he was the dude who you could always count on doing the things the right way. Um, and just always, like you said, he always had the full calmness about him. He was you know, grown beyond his years, you know, in a sense. I mean, he was, you know, like an adult figure to to all the rest of us, even guys older than him. You know, he was, you know, the, the voice of reason. He was, you know, he was he was kind of everything. So, I mean, when I think of that, I think of his leadership that he provided to our team um, and his coolness and his calmness. I mean, he was never rattled. You know, even when he might not have been making the plays he wanted to make certain times, you know, you could never tell. You know, he was never rattled. He was never bothered. He was always calm. Um, and like you said, I mean, and when we, whether we needed a player or not, we knew he was going to make it. <laughs> Bottom line, you know, it was just he yeah, had worked too hard and uh, put too much into it to to not, you know. Um, and you know, I, I I met him my freshman year, and we were 
you know, best reps from then moving forward. I mean, you know, we were the two only uh, freshmen up on JV. He was up first. He, I mean, he was up during the summertime. I got pulled up a little, you know, like right before the first game. But, uh, you know, um, you know we, we hit it off pretty well. And the crazy, like I always think, like, man, that dude looked like he was 17 or 18 the freshman year. And he's six months younger than me. I always think about that. Like, I'm like, how are you so mature and so grown and you you younger than me? <laughs> no, he, uh, even now when I see him, he, I, I, first thing I think of is that, that fourth down throwback. It just, he always, yeah. like you mentioned, he's probably, was he, I don't want to use too much hyperbole, but he, he was kind of unique in that your Veer offense usually had a guy like, you know, more of a running threat. Matt was Matt kind of like the first sort of do we call him a pro style guy kind of running that offense though. Um, I don't know if he's the first, but I know that definitely in that era, I think of the streak era, he was that he was real different, you know, in comparison to all the other quarterbacks that they had down that era. And um, but the thing about Matt is like he he like you know he, he was definitely a pro style guy, but he was probably one of the better guys at reading the offense, you know, like, because the beer is all about reading. Sure. Handing it off to the right guy when you need to, pitching it when you need to, and keeping it when you need to. And, uh, like I said, he's such a perfectionist that he has to be up there as far as the top guys to to be able to read and, and, you know, run the offense efficiently, you know, in that way. So, Nate, kind of put you in the spot a little bit and, and first what is consistent so northern california circles listen i don't know if you you know the sports writers or even my guy mark tennis at cal high sports but when people talk about all those de la Salle teams is there is there like a consensus of you know one that was the best out of all time so it, that's my first question and number two what do you personally feel was the best i mean again you've been a part of it since you got there as a freshman you were there for the dj williams era you coached some of the greatest teams of all time, but what is kind of perceived as the best of the Data Sal teams? And then what do you personally think is the best one? And I mean, there are definitely amongst the Dallas Dallas uh, people, there's no consensus. I mean, <laughs> you'll get arguments. I mean, the even the coaches they'll say, "Oh yeah, this team," and then they'll say, "Well, what about that team?" And they'll be like, "Oh yeah," you know. And then you know you start thinking. So I mean. There's been, and I mean, and in order for a program to be as successful as ours has, I mean, there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be thought to be possibly the best team, you know. Um, and I think for the most part, the majority of the players that go through are going to lean to one of the teams they played on. Sure. Um, and that, and it's no different for me, obviously. I mean, you know, I got a chance to be a, be at the modern day modern day game and watch that, and that team was special, very special, and they're definitely in the argument. That ninety eight uh, was a ninety eight um, team from Dallas out, um, but you know as you said, I mean the two thousand one team playing you know a one versus two game, you know, and you know we traveled to Buchanan that year, which Buchanan was loaded. They had a receiver that went to UCLA, fullback, linebacker that went to USC, and about four other guys that went to college. We traveled down to Buchanan a year after playing a close game with them and throttled them. <laughs> You know, we come back home and we play against St. Francis, who's another local power, um, and put it on them. Probably one of the better, you know, kind of scores we had in that time frame when we were playing them. Throttle modern day <laughs> up here is 56 to something. I don't know. We beat them pretty bad, too. And then to head, that, head back down, you know, head down to L.A. after traveling to Fresno and, um, you know, beat, you know, that, that poly team. I mean, you know, and go on to, I mean, I think that we, I think we had just got put into the Hall of Fame, I think, this past year. 
I think I recall them saying we only gave up six touchdowns the whole year. <laughs> wow. Know, so, that was the, you're talking um, about the one team, Nate? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so what about you know, that's kind of what I lean towards. And okay, like I, said, I mean that's that's my opinion, and obviously I was part of that team, and you know I know we did something special in that way. I mean I don't know that there's ever been a one versus two meeting, even since then. Uh, maybe there has been, but I mean that was that was a pretty big deal, and especially for California football, it was a it was a, it was a big deal. And it was a great experience. So you were a sophomore when DJ was a senior, correct? Yeah. So that year. What modern day team did you play when you were a sophomore DJ's senior year? Was that the one yeah. that they played at your place and that wasn't even really even a game? Yeah. Okay. Second year was the forty two, was the forty two method or something like that, forty two six. So that team had that team had a senior DJ, a junior Kevin Simon, a, a sophomore, sophomore Nate, Nate Kenyon. That's right, baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, so compare because I'm obviously when you talk about De La Salle, for me, um, I mean DJ would be one of the two or three best players I've ever seen in high school. So it's kind of hard to, to not have him in, in the conversation. If you're talking about the best teams ever from De La Salle, compare your sophomore team that had a, a junior Kevin, a senior DJ versus your senior team that did all that and you just you know kind of repeated. How would those two teams have matched up? Um, like you said, I mean, talent-wise, my, my sophomore year, our team was probably head and shoulders better than the 2001 team if you just talk of pure talent. I mean, like you said, you got Kevin Simon, you got DJ, you got Taj Lupoy on the line. Um, playing DM as well. Um, you got Demetrius Williams on the backside. You got Johnny Tucker. You got, I mean, if you go through the list of just names of D1 and professional players. Um, but then if you go into, um, just like I said, just the team mode, that team didn't gel the same way. And mostly um, the O-line uh, wasn't the same. The O-line in my senior year was just different and a lot better. You know, just dominant, really. So, you know, um, I think that's and for a lot of us, the Dale South teams. I mean, the line is going to play a big part. And my two, our two, the '99 year with DJ Williams senior year, the line was the biggest it had ever been, but it wasn't at all. I would say um, the typical of what we're used to. So the dominance of that line wasn't. I mean, you know what it could have should have been in a sense. So if you watch the film and <laughs> what's always said from the coaches and players is DJ made. A lot of, I mean, he, he had a lot of yards, but they were his yards. He didn't, he didn't get a ton of, I mean, a block. I mean, you had a sophomore, Derek Landry, who was solid, you know, but nothing like the senior Derek Landry. <laughs> and, you know, so that, that's, I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, yeah, the talent of the, the 99 team was there. And if they had, um, you know, a line from other years, I think that, you know, obviously that team would definitely be in the conversation as well. But, you know, that's kind of, I think, kind of putting that out there. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, like I said, from De La Salle terms, it just wasn't as as good of a team as the 2001 team was. Now, let's let's bring it to present day, because you guys got a big game this weekend. We got modern day. And again, the reason why we're talking about this is because people are talking, this is a team that doesn't have a whole lot of whole lot of weaknesses, right? Really good quarterback, yeah. great, great O-line, great receiver core. But if you can, let, let's go back, because another team that you guys played against was the 2013 St. John Bosco team. That was the Josh Rosen junior year. Sean McGrew was their, their kind of their stud running back. Pretty good defense. Jaleel Wadud, Nigel Hill, and some of those guys. How, how good was that 2013 Bosco team that you played against? Was that one of the better teams that you personally played against or coached against in your time at De La Salle? Yeah, no, I mean, that 2013 Bosco team, like you just said, I mean, I mean, here's the thing. Here's one thing we always say, you know, at Dallas Al, kind of to our kids each year is, 
if we're fortunate enough to, to make it to state, you know, which is the goal every year. We know we're going to be playing, and we and that that comes up a 2013 Bosco team, you know, that are um, a 2008 uh, Centennial team. You know, I mean, you kind of go down the list hmm. of all the the teams that we played in the different years, and you're playing guys that are now balling in the NFL. You know, I mean, it's just it's just going to happen in that way. So we know each year, kind of getting ready for you know playing any team from SoCal is going to be really tough to compete with. I mean, like you said, you look at the line of that Bosco team and they just engulfed uh, as far as size went. I mean, we had Khalil McKenzie that year and he looked small next to the Mumbo. Right? <laughs> that big dude, I mean. Team in my know, he, made, he was the only person I've seen make Khalil look small back in, the, in the, at that time frame. You know, and uh, he had a sophomore, Ossie, who was, was a big, cheap sophomore and he looked tiny next to the, you know, their lineman. And boss, you know what I'm saying? So you started going down and looking, and a lot of our players that, you know, ended up being really good were, were young. But, um, you know, that, like I said, that Boston team was just loaded. I mean, and with the guys that are still making plays at the next level right now. Was there one team, Nate, that you played against that you would be able to say that this was the best team I've ever played, coached against? Would, would it have been that 13 Bosco team, one of the Centennial teams? Shoot, I think last year's Bosco team was, was pretty good, but was, was one of them kind of stands out above the rest? Um, I mean, I... I was, I mean, for me, I still say Polly, you know. 2001 Polly team? Yeah. But if not Polly, then, I mean, you could definitely go with either, like I said, the Centennial team with Perfect and um, Lions. And <laughs> they had, I mean, their office is loaded as well. They had, uh, Marbe, I think it's Marbe. Um, yeah, Ricky. And then you, and that's, uh, and then you could also, like I said, you could go with the 2013 Moscow team. I mean, you pick your, pick your poison with any of those. And not to be overlooked, I mean, I still like the Crenshaw team, too. So. That was the D'Anthony Thomas one, right? I remember yeah. he broke two off early. Then I don't, you got, did he, he get hurt? He cramped he hurt up? His ankle. Yeah. yeah, he hurt his ankle. So let's talk, let's talk modern day. All right, you watch it. No one watches more film than you guys. What do you see when you see this team? Strengths, weaknesses, things you can take advantage of, things that scare you a little bit. And I, I use the term "scare" lightly because I know it, you know no one scares you guys. But what do you see when you watch the t- guys on uh, watch the tape? Um, I can see. I think you know. I think from a coaching standpoint, we could all see why everyone's saying you know that, that this team could possibly go down as one of the best ever. And like to answer the question early, I mean. Yeah, we hear, we're hearing everything down here or up here that, you know, is being said down there, you know, and, and um, you know, I mean, so far they backed up everything, so it's justifiable, you know, like it makes sense that people are saying that things are saying about the team. Um, I mean, you know, you go down the list of it. I mean, you watch the quarterback. He's really good. He can run. He can throw. I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you want to keep him in the pocket, but you don't. You know what I'm saying? It's like you don't want him taking off running because he's, elevated his running game to, you know, dual threat status, you know, and then you if he's sitting in the pocket, he's, you know, one of the best, you know, pocket passers um, around. Uh, I mean, I think that's been proven, you know, throughout his time there. Um, and then you look at the receiving core and it's, you pick your poison <laughs> on, on who you want to, I mean, if you're able to slow down, you know, um, number eight, then, you know, they still got number five and, Number six and number four and number twenty-seven. I mean, it's just a, a roster of receivers, you know. So then the running backs, um, you know, they don't get as much credit as probably they deserve because of how good the O line is and the receivers and everyone else. But I mean, when they're given their opportunities, you know, they make plays as well. You know, hurdling guys, you know, just making guys miss whatever it is, you know. So um, just looking at their offense, all in all, I mean, 
you know, it's uh, what I keep comparing it to is uh, the Rams. You know, when the when the Rams were rolling back in the day, you know, the greatest show on turf. Yeah. Um, you know, and then uh, like I said, you cross over to the defense, and you know, you got number five over there again. You know, you got forty seven off the edge. You know, um, you know they're capable of, of using more linebackers and less D linemen because of the size of their D linemen. You know, and um, their secondary has you know. Uh, came in young and unknown, but definitely made a name for themselves there too. So, you know, for us watching film, I mean, you know, you look at it, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say that we're that as a staff. We feel like oh, there's holes in their team. Um, you know, uh, we just feel like we're gonna have to line up and and play and, and try to bring us what we consider a Spartan effort. And you know what, um, you know, Coach Allen Ball preaches, you know, uh, you know, as as kind of giving that, that perfect effort and, and, and kind of, you know, playing our hearts out in a sense. And, you know, um, you know, from our side of it, obviously we go into the game and, you know, we expect to come out victorious just the same as they do. Um, and at this point, you know, it all comes down to preparation. You know, who who, who did what in the offseason, you know, who's doing what in the weeks leading up and the progression of the season, you know. And, you know, for us it's a situation where, you know, we had a disappointing showing um, in Las Vegas against Gorman, and you know, uh, you know, we're, we're actually we're asking our kids now: Is that who we are, or are we someone different? You know, that's kind of the best, you know, the best kind of comparison we can give the kids. You know, after watching modern day game against them, and you know, looking at how we performed and how disappointed we, I think we all were with our performances. You know, you guys want to be remembered as a team that showed up and laid an egg against. You know, the, the teams that we played that we should have been competitive against or, you know, are we going to be competitive you know, and, and come out and show something? So, you know, that's kind of how we're approaching this game and how we're looking at it. Um, you know, in the sense, like I said, I mean, um, I'll let it get some sound bites and sit here and say, hey, yeah, we're going to attack this battle game. But honestly, I mean, like I said, it's one of those situations with our team, you know, where it's like we have to execute what we do. <laughs> And, and execute it better than they do. So we got to move guys off the line. We got to make good reads. We can't turn the ball over. You know, I mean, it's the bottom line of the situation. <laughs> last year, I think we would have been as, and I feel like last year's Dallas out team wasn't that good. Um, I mean, our running back was, and we had a couple other areas. But all in all, I mean, you know, our team was down from the general, you know, what we're used to kind of having. I mean, just talent wise, and you know, in some other areas, but. We turned the ball over six times and still were at a point one time where we could have made it a we could have made it a seven point game. You know, I mean in the third quarter, you know, so you look at that and you know, like I said, I mean, you know, it's a situation where it, it, as far as our offense goes, if we turn the ball over, I mean we're we're pretty much you know, we're we're not we can't throw our way back into no games. You know, that's <laughs> that's never been our MO in a sense. So we're a running we're a ball control running offense and that's what we have to be able to do. Um, and, and they know that. I mean, you know, modern day knows. I mean, we played, like I said, we played them in the series four times. We're all in, we're all in. Oh, he knows how we, what we're going to do. It's a, it's a, like I said, we don't have any secrets to hide from them, you know. I mean, I'm sure he's went back and watched all the games from before when we played them. And, he, you know, they probably, not probably, they have a, a really good game plan coming in. We know that, you know. So, like I said, it's not. The, the good bad situation <laughs> is. You know, this is going to be the fifth meeting. First in the state, though, but fifth meeting, you know. So it's not like you got two unknown teams coming into something, you know, and trying to trying to figure it out. <laughs> Nate, I could talk to you for at least another hour. We didn't get to talk about Toss or some other great stories from the past, but uh, hopefully we get you on again yeah. sometime soon. Um, 
But no, man, this was awesome. Trip down memory lane. I appreciate you. Great game preview. Good luck this weekend, man. I'm, I think it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be a game for sure. You guys, if anyone knows about Day to South football, you guys don't lay down for anybody. So it's going to be fun. I wish you the best of luck, Nate. Let's talk soon. All right, buddy. Thanks. I appreciate y'all, man. Everybody tune in, man. It's the best show going. I love watching. I love uh, listening to what y'all been talking about. Y'all, y'all always have me rolling. Y'all bring the best. Appreciate you, my guy, Nate Kenyon, assistant head coach, defensive backs coach over at De La Salle. Also, Kenyon training, KT training up at uh, up in the NorCal area. So, my guy, Nate Kenyon, we appreciate you joining the Transparent Truth. Yes, sir. Have a good one. So, we appreciate Coach Nate Kenyon being on. A lot of good stuff. Again, great interview, Greg. Uh, my takeaway from that was number one, what a tradition. They, what a tradition they have at, at De La Salle, right? The players that you mentioned, Maurice Drew, DJ Williams, Kevin Simon. I mean, yeah, Derek, Derek Landry. Landry. I mean, you talk about <laughs> all-time greats in California state history. And then some of the teams that they've played. Poly, oh, what well, the Poly Five. Yeah. Perfect. Modern day, multiple times. Modern like, day, good, multiple times. Yeah, my, Matt, Matt Leiter won a Heisman Trophy national championship. They went up against him twice. I mean, that was the myth about De La Salle. Was, oh, they don't play anybody. They would play whoever wanted to play them. Yeah. And it was just, it was so much fun. Like yeah. I said, I kind of got my start right when those guys were rolling. I was the guy who said, oh, I was the, the big mouth. who said, wait till they play a SoCal team. Yeah. And I watched them beat up Marty twice in a row. And I said, I will never pick against De La Salle. And I was the one guy when they played Long Beach Poly. Yeah. And I was the one, people said I was crazy. Yeah. I go, you watch. Poly has all that speed. I go, you watch. De La Salle is so prepared. They will be as fast. Yeah. They'll they will fast. play as fast as Poly because is. they are so well prepared. Yep. And they got it done. But unfortunately, this week, I got to go against my rule. I would never pick against De La Salle. I actually did it last year. Yeah. I got to do it again this year. I love you, Nate, but I got to go with modern day. It's a little too much juice. Yeah. My, too, too much juice. Too, too much talent. Too big, too fast, too strong. And uh, we got the Monarchs bringing home the open open division state championship. So uh, if you disagree with us, shoot us an email. Tell us why. Uh, shoot Greg Bing as a direct message. He'd love <laughs> to know your feelings. <laughs> But uh, we got to wrap it up. So, uh, GB, this is our last <laughs> matchup show, my yeah. friend. Our last matchup show has been a has been a, a great ride with you. Um, dropping this every Friday for the our listeners and for the fans. Previewing the games, matching up the teams and the players and the coaches and all the great interviews from a man P. Duffy now to my guy Nate Kenyon. Man, it's been it's been a great ride on Friday matchup show. This is our last one of the year. We'll be back next year to bring you Friday's matchup show when the fall is here. But this is it for us. We appreciate you joining us on the matchup show. Uh, be looking forward to NSR, the Na- the National Sports Report, bringing their youth. Segment to the Transparent Truth. They're going to be having their own podcast under the Transparent Truth Network. We're going to be bringing them on next week for a nice little interview, so we can introduce them to all of our fans and all of our and everybody that's on our platform. So be ready. NSR National Sports Report, the youth group, kind of setting you on fire with youth youth football. But without further ado, from my man Greg Biggins, this is Coach Keith signing off for our final matchup show. We appreciate you listening. Please reach out to a friend. Go to iTunes, The Transparent Truth. Download the show. Leave a comment. There's a new sheriff in town. And his name is Reggie Hammond. Y'all be cool.